Screenless. Lindsay Adams, animation producer and director, founder of Daily Madness Productions, watcher of an inordinate amount of television. <laughs> Welcome to Creative Cuppa. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, I saw that about your TV watching on uh, on your website, the Daily Madness mm-hmm. website. It also says there that you have known since you were a little girl that you wanted to work in animation and you've pretty much been on a mission ever since. What was it that drew you to animation in the first place? I think, or at least my earliest memory of it was um, we moved house when I was about three or four and my parents were doing up the house and they had all of these rolls of backing paper that you put for wallpaper on because it was the 80s, of course, it was everything was wallpaper. And I remember there was just loads of them left and my dad picked up a pen one day and he started drawing My Little Ponies on all of the wallpaper. And it was the first time I realised that the thing on TV could actually be in front of me. I'd never really seen anything reflected quite like that. And it just became a bit of an obsession. So I started drawing little comic strips and I started continuously, anything I saw on TV, I kept trying to replicate like kind of in-house on any bit of paper. And also the walls, which I'm sure my parents didn't appreciate um, <laughs> that I could. And I just I just became obsessed with these these drawings that you could kind of bring to life on TV. And it genuinely was from one of my earliest memories that... Wow. I just became obsessed with animation. So that's kind of where it started. So what kind of shows were you watching? Oh, everything during, the, honestly, when, <laughs> when I say I watch too much TV, I watch too much TV. So I was watching My Little Pony and The Turtles and Care Bears and uh, Thundercats and Transformers and absolutely anything that would come on TV. I would just be obsessed and sit down from the second I came back from school until I got sent to bed. And the the second I'd wake up in the morning, I'd run down to the TV as well. It was a real, just an absolute obsession. It drove my parents mental. Uh, was that reflected in school? Were you just art obsessed? Yeah, only drawing, the, yeah. only drawing. It was the only way that, wow. I mean, I kind of, I really, when I got to uh, secondary school, one of the things that really surprised me all the way through primary school, which obviously in the UK is at like 11, everyone was very, very happy for me to draw all the time in every single lesson. And then when I got to secondary school, it was all of a sudden no longer appropriate. I had to learn a different career path. I had to be a different thing when I grew up. So I loved learning. I just love learning generally. So I loved math and science and English and everything, but it could only really get me kind of um, to that tunnel vision obsessive level when I would go to art class or graphics or anything where I could draw things. It's funny you should mention maths and science actually, because uh Izzy Burton, who was a guest, mm. she uh, mentioned about the pleasure she has in creating a spreadsheet. And you mentioned that <gasps> oh, as well. Oh, did she? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I don't know if it's something to do with animation, but well, whether it's a presentation thing or a maths thing. I wonder, actually. I, I don't know. I am. I do love spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> I really do. And I know I say that with such joy because I really, really do. And it is just one of the best ways to win me over is to show me a really good spreadsheet. It would be interesting to know if any of our listeners in animation are also into spreadsheets. <laughs> I would judge you <laughs> if you're not. bizarre link. <laughs> I quite like a, a spreadsheet, but maybe not. Maybe not as much. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It becomes such a and when I to the point where if I get really, really stressed at work, 
I will just take myself out for like an hour and start building a spreadsheet from scratch. I'll just start a new budget or I'll do oh, a wow. new schedule. It's like a, your, your fidget spinner. Yeah, it's like my <laughs> it's like my mindfulness technique. It's just a way to calm me back down and make me feel quite in control again. And okay. it's a really good mind map tool for me, I guess. Um, yes, I get but, that. And yeah. also now I don't need to know any math because it will just do it all for me, which is great. But yeah, no, I do love a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Fast forward. You've uh, founded the Daily Madness Productions Mm -hmm. with that very simple mission of creating exceptional animation for the 6 to 10 age group. Uh, How did all that get started? Well, I mean, I always obviously been obsessed with animation from a child. Um, I assumed that the second I would turn 18, I would be discovered by Disney and I'd move to LA and and just work there as one of their concept artists. And of course that didn't really happen. Um, I guess at some point during my twenties, it just became really clear to me that, you know, I was going to learn as much as I could. And then I was just going to do the stuff that I loved anyway. And working for other companies has been brilliant. It's been one of the best experiences of my life, obviously. And you learn a lot from everybody, but there is a point where you want to be able to drive content and drive stories that that really mean something to you and have a little bit more control over what you're doing. So it was just a, a weird kind of combination of things that happened in 2015 where I just kind of felt, you know what, this is probably the right time to do it. So I decided just to launch the company immediately realizing I don't know what I'm doing. And actually, this is more work than you would think. But one of the best bits of advice I had was just trying to really remember why you want to do it and sitting down there and thinking about it. Because I love animation so much, for me, it's just a brilliant tool for telling stories. And it's a brilliant tool for connecting with people on a level that I just don't, live action can obviously do, but I just think animation does something very, very different. And a lot of the time, I think people treat animation like a throwaway thing, like it's a, a, like the, the the lesser version of the live action world and I want to try and do what I can to change those perspectives. So it'll take a while obviously to build the brand and get to a point where people can trust us to be outside of the box and do new special things with animation. But that's kind of the the big five, 10 year goal is to make really exceptional animation that kind of breaks through those boundaries and makes people view it differently. Yeah, it's funny, I was, I was watching a video of uh, Dave Filoni of now Disney. Okay. He was the showrunner on uh, Clone Wars. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And he was saying exactly that. He didn't see the animation and the live action as different things. And with Clone Wars, they really pushed the Mm -hmm. the boundaries anyway. And uh, he saw those characters as exactly the same characters in animated form. Yeah, and that's a great series. That's a great example of what you can do with animation if you're given that chance and given that platform and yeah Yeah. it's great so daily madness is a company founded by women and run by women it is before you set up daily madness how did you feel about the inclusion of or exclusion of strong female characters and do you see that landscape changing since you set it up obviously you're pushing those those boundaries I do, actually. I do. I think um, generally when it comes to women in animation and female characters, the difference between me and university in 2000 and going to Daily Madness in 2015 was starting to see some progression. But from 2015 to now, in just kind of four years, I think it's came across leaps and bounds. I think there's still a, a long way to go. And if you, um, if we ever do get to go to pubs again, you will still catch me on a Friday night having a rant about female characters on screen because I think it is 
continuously, there's just so much that needs to be done to become equal in that way. But I do see improvement. I do see women involved in the creative decisions now. And I see women, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I really went into a writer's room where there was no women in the room. There's still fewer, but at least they're actually there at the table, which is great. And the stories and the content are starting to see female showrunners and female creators to come through. There's still probably only about 20% at best when I go to these events, but uh, still 20% more than it was when I started. Well, I was going to say, that's, <laughs> yeah. it feels like an improvement. Yes, 20%. I think so. I mean, it's still ages to go. It's still a long um, way to go. On top of, as well as Daily Madness, I actually, around the time that I started the company, I also... Um, took over as the head of women in animation here in Ireland as well. Um, and again, it's just seeing it come across leaps and bounds, especially in Ireland. Um, I think we kind of lead in terms of, of gender equality over here um, to a certain degree in most departments, maybe not all of them yet, but I think most departments were starting to get there. So I do see an improvement, especially with female characters. They're still few and far between, but I think it's much easier to be able to identify a female character. For years and years and years, we all used to point to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who I know is on my website, because for 10 years, she was the only strong female character that we could find within that age group to kind of reference. And I think you can start to get a few more now. Yeah, absolutely. So with the lockdown happening at the moment, Mm. you had a particularly quick turnaround on a production when it, when it all locked down, didn't, didn't you? Uh, Pins and Nettie, it's a lovely animated series uh, about two hedgehogs. Yes. How did that come about? So when I started Daily Madness, Pins and Nettie was actually the first idea that I had. I wanted to, at the time it was called Pins and, uh, Pins and Needles. And it was going to be about two little hedgehogs who also happened to be shy. I was a shy child and I just wanted to have shy representation on TV. But then um, I got distracted by other productions and I just kind of put it in the, on the back burner. And 2018, probably end of 2018, my creative director, Shannon George, um, just said to me, do you mind if I pick up that project and spend a little while developing it? And I was like, yeah, no, go, go ahead. That's fine. And she kind of sat with it for a couple of months. And she came back with this brilliant kind of almost well-rounded concept of, of these hedgehogs and how they deal with anxiety and how they kind of um, make their way in the world and feel more comfortable whilst they do it, but without sacrificing or or changing or becoming not shy. Shyness was just part of who they were and it was okay and just kind of accepting that and learning tips to get through it, which was great. So we'd done an awful lot of development work kind of on that and um, Shannon, even with the help of Karen, came up with this shyness curriculum and there was so much information and so much development there about anxiety that when the covid stuff happened it feels like so long ago now even though it's only been a couple of months but those first two weeks I think everybody's anxieties were through the roof and um we all just kept being bombarded by all of this news and all of this terrifying stuff And I just felt so helpless. And we just kind of sat there and said, you know, through all of this, no one's really talking to kids, not young kids anyway. Maybe they're they're telling kids to wash their hands and maybe they're explaining social distancing. But no one's talking to the young kids who will never get their heads around this about how they're feeling and what anxieties they might be picking up about the world around them. And it was literally two weeks into this when I, I texted Shannon and I just said, do you think you could write a script over the weekend and we'll see whether there's something here. 
Um, so she, I, I texted her on like a Thursday or something. And by Monday, she had a, a script and a concept um, with the help of Karen, who's our um, educational consultant. And we just decided to go into production. So, yeah. <laughs> and um, so it's been a, well, yeah. a bit a bit like you setting up Daily Madness. If you stop to consider the mountain that you have to climb, then yeah. quite often you won't get started. No, you? you've just got to give it a go. You've just got to go with the gut. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah. And so we've made 12 episodes now. Um, we're just fantastic. we're just pulling together the last animatic at the moment, and we're putting up one every Friday as part of kind of our contribution. Now a little love letter to people who are experiencing lockdown and trying to really connect to them on their their level and just let them know they're not alone. So it's very much about Pinzanetti at home. Lovely. Yeah, Lovely. it's kind of what we're doing. So where can people watch Pinzanetti? We are on YouTube. So okay. Pinzanetti have their own YouTube channel. You can Google it and. Come and watch episode five or six went up this morning. I apologize for not knowing what number it is, but I barely know what day it is. <laughs> um, and I shall put the link in the show notes. Thank as well. you very much. Where can people find you or and or Daily Madness online? So we do have an old website up. By June, there'll be a new website. So uh, okay. dailymadnessproductions.com is where you can find us. Fantastic. Okay, well, Lindsay Adams, thank you ever so much for joining me for a cup. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.